0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Secure Talk. Secure Talk is brought to you by AdaQuest, your cybersecurity and compliance partner. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host for this episode of Secure Talk. Today, we are joined by Edward Walton, a veteran IT professional who works as a cloud solution architect for Microsoft. Edward's going to be telling us about uh, the often misunderstood subject of shadow IT, and we're going to learn what shadow IT actually is why it can be a problem, and what companies can do to appropriately deal with shadow IT. And finally, Edward's also going to share some tips on how to keep current on the latest trends in the cloud security space. So, hey, Edward, how are you today? I'm fine, sir. How are you? Pretty good. Um, I'm up here in Bellevue, Bellevue, Washington. Where are you?
1: I am in Atlanta, Georgia, on the
0: East Coast. Nice. And... What's the temperature down there?
1: Uh the temperature is about I don't know, fifty-five degrees Fahrenheit today. Overcast has been raining, but you know, atypical weather in the south in this time of year.
0: Well, that is not too bad. So you can go out in the t shirt. We're still we still got snow on our ground out here, so <laughs> I'm just I, I, I I'm in shorts and
1: I'm in a short sleeve shirt right now.
0: <laughs> I just get really envious whenever I talk to somebody who's um Farther south than me. I, I spoke with one of your colleagues, Andrea. Um, she's based down in Florida, Windows 10 specialist. And, uh, and it's always like sunny and 70 whenever I talk to her. So um, so what we're going to talk about is uh, shadow IT today. But before we jump into that, could you just take a couple minutes and, and share your background and your experience?
1: Uh, so uh, about 17 plus years in the industry, uh, I fancy myself a technologist, meaning that uh, I have a love for all things tech. Uh, I won't say the word geek, but I will say tech. Uh, my career started the you know earn your stripes route, from starting as a PC tech to a network tech to a network engineer, and across all different types of you know technology verticals, cutting my teeth on you know uh, or Lantastic, if that dates me through Novell, through Windows NT. At the same time, learning Unix, AIX, uh, you know, turn into a route switch guy. You know, primarily focused on Cisco, but could do all the other uh, route switch vendors. And then, some, you know, some form or fashion or another, I end up start, you know, gravitating toward Microsoft technologies and working around server products. And then, uh, really getting into the security. So, uh, I've done a little bit of everything. except for write code and uh, be a uh, DBA.
0: Well, that gives you a a really interesting perspective because, I mean, you can look at any problem from various um, angles. Um, Right now, I mean, let's just start with the the Microsoft security piece for a second. I mean, a lot of companies or a lot of people don't really see Microsoft as a security company. And what, what would you say to that?
1: Well, it's not hard because they're still talk, telling the old joke that Microsoft doesn't do security. But I think, you know, my peers have probably said it, that Microsoft is the largest security company you've never heard of, uh, spending tremendous amounts of money in the billions around security. Uh, it's, you know, net new as well as uh, I don't think that even includes acquisitions. And so... A lot of time, the security is baked into the things that you do, so you don't really recognize it as a security offering or a security initiative by the company. Uh, you know, for instance, Office 365, which is you know, the largest collaboration platform probably on the planet, has tremendous amount of security just built into the genome or the DNA of the product. Uh, that has nothing to do with the other complimentary or sister or cousin products that go along with that around enterprise mobility, security, uh, if you talk to my peer Andrea Fisher, she told you all about Windows Defender Advanced Threat Protection. So, it's 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 not totally foreign, uh, but once people see it, they 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 start to look through a different lens to say, "You're right, Microsoft is a security company."
0: Absolutely, and and when it comes to Office 365, for example, there are so many tools. And features that are baked in that like you said a lot of people aren't aware of, and um, once they do become aware, of it, they're like, "Wow, this is amazing right it's uh it's pretty cool, things like um you know the data loss uh data loss prevention uh, you know encryption tools uh mfa and and all you need to know is just how to go in and, and, and turn them on or activate them in the way that makes sense for you um what we're going to be talking about specifically is is shadow i t so give us give us uh a, a dis a definition of shadow IT. Um, and then also explain, you know, why is that relevant to you and your job and then the listening audience?
1: Yeah, so shadow IT is one of those cliche terms that's been put out in the industry, you know, like, you know, digital transformation and and and, and other uh, monikers. What, what shadow IT does, is sort of confuses individuals because it sounds nefarious, right? When you hear the word shadow and then IT, But in my experience, shadow IT is not necessarily to catch negative security actors or malevolent or malicious behavior, even though it can do that. It is really to look at the behavior of entities or identities that you trust in your line of business. And line of business being synonymous with what you need to do to run your organization. That's cloud, on-premise, application, identity, and all those things. So shadow IT, is looking at the activities and the transfer of the data and/or access for entities that you do say, Hey, I trust. So I want to make sure that you're not doing anything both deliberate or inadvertent that could expose the company or its assets to liability. And so shadow IT is often, you know, synonymous with I need to get the job done. And I here are the tools that I'm used to doing, or oh, I just don't know any better. And so why it can detect and uh, remediate and sometimes prevent uh, activities that are risky, it's often just to get an insight on what companies uh, or what the entities or their identities uh, and assets are being used. And being able to say, yes, that's okay, but you need to use the authorized or sanctioned process for this, or that it is not okay. And you should not do that. And we did not know we had an operational or a risk out. And, and shadow IT is the usage of technology without the, you know, express or, or consensual consent of the people who's who are in charge of those digital access.
0: Well, give us a, a real life example. Let's say there's there's Bob and he works for a large company. How does Bob end up, you know, using shadow IT? Well,
1: that's a great question because now, with the you know, I think I used the word plethora earlier uh, when we first connected of SaaS applications. Love that word.
0: (laughs) Uh,
1: Uh, With with, with the, you know, just tremendous volume of, you know, SaaS applications and and, and legacy web applications. So Bob is sitting at a, a, and I had a a previous customer. Uh, They were a farmer and farmer notoriously, um, you know, protective of their intellectual property. And so they were, had to get some collaboration done, and someone inadvertently stood up a Slack server, hmm. right? Because they needed some way to collaborate. Well, that may be okay in some instances, but if you start to exchange proprietary information, need-to-know information in your organization, and it, you know, inadvertently gets leaked either by virtue of that communication medium, and or email, you have caused probably in an internal uh, security event, and so. I've also seen it in just about every in- uh, uh, industry where you know it's it's it's, it's time pressure sensitive evolutions that cause individuals to use technologies uh, to help them get things done, such as forwarding documents to their personal email addresses or, or sharing information in their Dropbox because they can't remember the login to get into OneDrive or they never used it or they weren't trained. And so why those were unnecessary malicious events uh, you know, in users see these as necessary evils, and uh, I, I, just, I like was just—I to- was just going to
0: ask—are—are are, are you talking about um, some of the some of the the uh, candidates in our last presidential election or other government officials? <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, but you know, and, and and all joking aside, but it's that's the reality: is is people just want to get the job done, right? And they don't want to be hindered by. Corporate IT or their organization, organizational IT, and having to go through and say, "Hey, help me out with this." They just want to get the job done, right?
1: Yeah, and that 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 is not exclusive to what we deem as end users. Some of the biggest and, and, and notorious, uh, you know, offenders of this are actual seasoned IT professionals like you and myself, who have the power and the keys to the kingdom to decide. I am going to spin up this service or this application or web server. Our server, or um, you know, you know, to get this done, and why they justify the evolution by saying, if I can do it, then it must be okay, not knowing that you're inadvertently leaking information or leaking uh, processes or have process creep. So, you know, shadow IT is just not knowing what you don't know, and 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 just because it doesn't raise a flag, it, it could still expose you to risk. And risk exposure may not be measured in an incident, but maybe a regulatory uh, or compliance uh, violation, if, especially if you're being you know, controlled by things such as PCI, HIPAA, uh, and, and and more recently
0: GDPR. Absolutely. Well, how how big is this problem? Because I've seen you know some estimates that 40 percent of of the uh, Uh, the apps being used by fortune 500 companies are quote unquote shadow it or non-sanctioned apps so their their employees are out there and they're just you know down putting putting apps on their devices whether it's their byod uh, BYOD device or it's a company device just putting the apps on there that they need to you know get through their day and do their day-to-day activities and it, it and that's again approximately forty percent. But in, what have you seen? How big is this problem?
1: I've not encountered any, any customer and or partner who has not had at least some form of shadow IT nuance. Um, it's like you know uh, reporting breaches. A lot of the breaches are self-reported, so you never really have a true number. But that forty percent number uh, is very realistic, if not you know small. Um, because if it's not reported or you don't have a tool to actually capture it or you are acutely aware of it, it's probably occurring right now. And so the, the problem isn't getting smaller. I think that it's something that you don't try to prevent. It's something that you try to have actionable intelligence and actionable insight to be able to say, I know what is going on in my environment. So if you had the opposite of shadow IT, you would have a uh, what light it meaning that yeah I have a good operational sense of what's going on from an identity perspective and I want to pivot on that and say I like to uh, equate shadow i t as knowing what your end users or people who have the ability to access data which greatly you know, differentiates other technologies such as, uh, you know, a security event in, uh, integration monitor or SIM, right? Because SIM is just looking at all activities, whether it be a dumb device or a process. Shadow IT is generally looking at users or people that have the characteristics of a user who have the characteristics of doing a day-to-day job, doing stuff that's not sanctioned.
0: Okay, so so what can organizations do to become aware of their uh, shadow IT exposure?
1: Two things uh, to start off: assume and and that it is happening. It's like assume breach until you know otherwise, and don't necessarily take a all or nothing approach. You know, to cut it off at the legs. Uh, A lot of the shadow IT is probably authorized, and the applications aren't authorized. But the entities that deployed them weren't authorized to deploy those. So being able to get, you know, good. Uh, ingestion of data to understand what is what is occurring within your infrastructure, uh, going ahead and putting that as a known uh, uh, evolution and sanctioned evolution, and if it isn't, uh, notifying the applicable individuals and our responsible parties that yes, we understand that this is part of line of business, but it's it's not part of the regulation that controls, and we need to bring you into the fold and make you legal. And and putting in technology that can help you understand and capture that, so that you have something to measure against. Right? You you can assume breach, but until you have a way to validate it, either yes or no, uh, it, it's it, uh, you don't have a way to control it and put your hands around it.
0: But are, are there tools or, or scans that you can use to, to see or you know discover your shadow IT?
1: Well, absolutely. You know, uh, yeah. uh, that. The, the biggest thing that you're in the industry right now around shadow it or what uh, industry is uh, calling CASB solutions which are cloud application security brokers and so there there are multiples in the industry right now um the one that i am most familiar with and i work on the day to day is microsoft cloud app security and what it is is a um, it's a technology mechanism to be able to see which applications are being used by your users in your organization based on a series of conditions and or you know telemetry points Uh, primarily around the application repository. So most CASBs work in the same manner. They have a catalog of known uh, applications or the way applications behave. And so when they see these applications transversing uh, their their cloud infrastructure and in some instances uh, on-premise, if they're in a hybrid model or workers in the field for remote, it can report back on the activities of those individuals uh, and the applications that they're using. And once you see that, you'll see that you have applications that are being used for HR, CRM, ERP, uh, atypical uh, collaboration, such as email, file sharing, as well as like intranet, extranets, and being able to report back on who, what, when, where, and often why they are using an application. And so Microsoft's cloud app security is part of our uh, uh enterprise mobility and security, or our all-up M365E5 solution that uh, users can deploy uh, to monitor and react to shadow IT evolutions. Excellent.
0: And from what I understand, I mean, there there is some kind of dynamic between the consumers or users of Shadow IT and you know the IT or security departments in organizations, right? And I'm an end user. I need this app to get it done. I don't want to go to IT because it's going to take forever to, for them to sanction this. Um, so I go do it. IT catches me, and then and then we have this kind of antagonistic conversation. But ideally, well, I think what what a lot of experts are saying is. Um, you should have just a dialogue and say, okay, well, let's let's look at this and, and and let us understand how this app affects your or helps you in your business. Do we have something already, um, you know, sanctioned that you can use instead? If not, maybe we can look at bringing this app, you know, in house. So, what, you know, what are you what are your experiences around that? What are you, what are you seeing around that?
1: I think it's because security, you know, entities within you know, both proprietors of technologies, partners, vendors, as well as end users have never really had a stake at the table. It's always security minded or enforcement individuals, the security department are the bad guys. But that doesn't take into account the normalization of IT skill sets across all departments in the enterprise environment. The marketing team has their IT guy. The research and development team has their IT guy. The finance team has their IT guy. But oftentimes they don't have a security guy. And so everybody's sort of all up into this governing entity that every time he comes or she comes or it comes, it comes with bad news. But at the same time, those departments have skills and or ability to deploy things like database servers, web servers, download and install applications. And the most powerful enabler of shadow IT is budget. And so when these departments have money to go out and buy these technologies without having to go through an approval process that includes the overall IT organization, they deploy shadow IT inadvertently because they assume if I have the budget, I have the capability, and no one has told me no, and the ends sometimes justify uh, the means, I got to get the job done. Um, So I think that making the security part of the conversation across all IT-enabled entities in an organization helps with that. And being able to say, uh, if I deploy this, is it going to turn on any bells and whistles? And the biggest thing is just ask the question. And so make someone uh, accountable for the security posture of the of the companies by at least allowing them to ask the question, should I deploy this? And if I do want to use this application, what are the correct ways to, to deploy it and get authorization for it? And and shadow IT, monitoring, and the capability to detect is it's nothing more than keeping, for the most part, honest people honest.
0: All right. No, it's, it's interesting because I've been in, uh, you know, organizational meetings before where somebody had asked the question, you know, who in this organization is responsible for quality? And you'd get the QA guys raising their hand and then maybe a few other people. Who's responsible for re- revenue growth? And you get a couple of guys from the sales department raising their hand. And, you know, the conclusion of that meeting, and, and I've seen several of them like that, is like, hey, guys, we're all responsible for quality. We're all responsible for revenues, you know. We're, there's you. You just don't ignore that. And when it comes to security, especially security, I would say everybody's responsible. Whether even if you're not deploying any shadow IT, if you're just if you're using email, if you're doing anything on the internet, you are a target, and you need to be, you know, to act responsibly, right? Um, and so, but but if you're but if you're looking at deploying some kind of app, you you got to say, hey, does this is is this going to work? Do I am I exposed here? Maybe I don't have the in-house expertise in in, in my department. Maybe I need to go to the security guys um, and ask them, hey, what's the right way to deploy this? Um, And it's just, I think, a paradigm shift. And are you seeing companies make that, that, that shift?
1: Yeah, I am, and I think this shift is is, is starting in the in the traditional ownership of the IT responsibility and security monitoring. Right, so you know before there was a designated you know security group, which is not that recent, where you had dedicated teams of security individuals. That was most often the responsibility of the atypical networking group, and so the networking team looks at the how activities occur in the infrastructure differently from a, a group of individuals who operate in a different you know layer of the OSI stack, right? So the networking guys like, well, I see all the activity that are, you know, leaving and entering an organization by virtual traditional things, edge firewalls, web application gateways. But that is, you know, it is self-dubious because you're really just looking at protocols and ports and activities and not really pivoting on them until you see something that makes a red light go off, right, because you're already allowing, you know, protocols and ports necessary to do most of your business. You're allowed on port 80, port 443, sometimes some remote control applications. But what are those applications doing? And so while firewalls can report on that or, you know, get edge devices, it doesn't really tell you that this application was doing it. So, Because how many applications run on port 80 or 443, things that you use anyway, web browsers, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so the the shift is getting away from just – a one-all device or one-all process or one-all skill set to see it, to say, let's get closer to what the end user sees when they turn on their machine, Windows 10 boots up, they open up their, uh, their traditional Office client, or if they use any of the Office online products, what does that look like in a day-to-day uh, process when a person is creating invoices, sharing files, going to websites, downloading applications, or on their break, Uh, They're logging in to check their billing, they're going to social media, they're cutting and pasting files, uh, and they don't understand that sometimes they're operating in a security context uh, that puts them in violation, right? So how many of us really log out of our elevated account and then log in with like a base level account to do work? We're all guilty of not doing that, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to to give these people or when I say people, individuals, some type of insight to say, hey – we noticed that you did this. Is this part of your normal day? If not, or did you not know that you're not supposed to do this? But I think, he sh- I think the short answer to your question is that more and more entities are understanding there's a lot going on that we don't know about and how do we capture that and how do we take this telemetry so it's just not a bunch of white noise. And using you know, uh, you know know cl- client or cloud application security brokers, such as cloud app security for Microsoft, helps individuals and it gives them something. Uh, that has been very short. Useful reporting. Um, A lot of times, if you get this information in, you get so much, you can just go numb to the over information, right? Right. Useful reporting uh, that makes sense all the way up to the CEO, all the way down to the senior engineer. What can I pivot on that's relevant to my day job, and how can I provide useful telemetry reporting about what's going on? So Uh, everybody's responsible and everybody has the ability to contribute to the overall security posture of their business. Well,
0: since you've been doing this, what is the most interesting or craziest thing that you've seen come back when you, you, you know, you've run a scan or done done some type of report and you, and and, and in terms of showing that to the stakeholders
1: and they had no idea. Oh, that, I I got stories without, you know, you know, not using names so I can protect the innocent. Uh, you know, it's not a surprise to me now that when you go in and and whatever you know security product, the Casper solution, you generally ask the question, well, how many apps, SaaS applications, are you running your organization? Whatever number you get is always going to be low, and that number is always double. and And I know that's not an exact science, and I could probably had to provide metrics, but. Unless it's a company that has very, very strict usage and application and product deployment methodologies, such as government entities, three-letter agencies, or very secure you know, uh, commercial entities, they're going to come back, oh, yeah, we know all that we have. We have 25 applications. And once you do a preliminary assessment and a scan and a use activity, it's 50 or 75, or, and, and, and oftentimes 150% more than the initial number that they gave you. So that doesn't surprise me anymore. What surprised me now is sometimes seeing the activity of individuals and being able to use things like machine learning and, and analytics to say the greatest amount of violation uh, of, of, of application generally occurs around lunchtime, where people open up a browser, assume because they go into in-private browsing mode, and they go to Instagram, they go to uh, you know uh, Facebook, or they go to somebody's social media. And they also go to sites, which is of a personal preference, not judging. You see people are going to Tinder, dating sites. Uh, uh, and then you see things uh, where you may have malicious activity by Insider that you can capture people trying to use browsers that are not meant for day-to-day activities, such as Tor, which is primarily used to browse the dark web or the underweb. So I've seen some of these evolutions. The craziest thing is seeing an entire company run inside another company where individuals were running their own business inside of their their day jobs. No right? way. Using resources. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so g- and, come on, give
0: give me some more details. This is awesome.
1: <laughs> well, you know, you come in, you run this particular, and now you're seeing that uh, this individual is actually hosting their website on the internal web server and are using the resources. To uh, promote their business uh, using applications inside and using storage, right, as a jump box for for different things, uh, and, and and a very high level individual actually doing this, right, um, and so it it it's not a spy technology uh, because there is, you know, most modern we have the ability to anonymize the the uh, the individual because certain places in certain countries say you cannot. Have technology that allows you to really identify someone based on the activity or personal identifiable information, right? GDPR. But GDPR. And so, um, seeing you know individuals uh, not not watching their individual URLs like job hunting, going to LinkedIn, but seeing them come in and um, fire up their web server, and um, you know, or uh, installing uh, a web server up under their desk to be able to get something done. Uh, I tell you some of the biggest offenders are, uh, are app, app dev guys who are standing up app dev environments, you know, uh, to be able to test individual codes and running a sub origin or a, a, a QA and a environment because it takes too much time to go talk to the VM guys, to talk to the networking guys, to get an IP address, to do all this. So they'll stand up something. Piggyback off another, uh, another IP address inside there, a multi-home something, and they'll just run these different applications. Um, it's, it, and then the other thing is the shadow installation of applications. Uh, if you ever watch something being installed and you have a technology to see what subsequent or dependencies are being installed by the application, you will be amazed. Uh, in my home lab, it's just my wife and myself. We're empty nesters. I am running Microsoft Cloud App Security. It is saying that I have 256 unique identities in my infrastructure, and I'm running in excess of 422 different applications. I'm not running 422 different applications. It is because things are turning on in the background. Um, I am a big runner. I did not realize when I installed Strava, it installs all these subsequent apps. And so when you're clicking on these disclaimers and these terms and conditions, oftentimes they're saying we will share your data with this third party, or we are installing this app in addition to this app. So those are shadow IT entities uh, being deployed by virtue of applications that you said yes. And so, like I said, it could be inadvertent. Uh, I could go into some malicious detail about some of the stuff that I see, but you know, it's it's. it's Nothing. Nothing is off the books now.
0: No, that's uh, that was pretty good. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I, I just can't imagine guys just leveraging their their um, their company's platform to run their own business, and and not thinking that somebody was going not gonna notice. I mean, but um, <laughs> I guess I, and if it happened there, I'm sure it happens at other places as well. Um, so, so what do you do day to day? I mean, how do you help organizations?
1: Well, within my role, um, I work with partners who deploy Microsoft security technologies, right, and, and and workloads and solutions. So my day-to-day is working with partners who have a focus, with wanted to build uh, offerings based on the security features and, 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 it's, and, uh, and functionality inside Microsoft 365, the Enterprise 5, and Enterprise uh, 3 subscription models. And those workloads include Azure Active Directory, Uh, Microsoft Cloud App Security, Azure Information Protection, so on and so on. So my goal and my mission is to work with partners, help them become the best security technologists and practitioners that they can. And if they want to build a security practice and or offer security solutions to their customers, how can they take that and make that a non-transitional, transactional engagement and a trusted advisor? And uh, that may be, coming out and deploying cloud app security uh, or shadow IT technologies to provide ongoing analysis and monitoring of the customer's environment and be able to report that back, maybe in a security operations center manner, or maybe in a managed security service provider manner or CSP manner, cloud service provider, and then uh, provide some type of reporting, triage, or as well as maybe response. And so I, rarely work directly with customers now. I re- I most often work with partners. And once they have these technologies, I help create uh, learning paths for them to fine tune their skills. I help them with uh, uh, feature set requests or just understanding some of the very deep technology saying, hey, we would like to do this in the technology. Is it possible? Or we are thinking about offering this particular product in this manner. Is that supported, or is it even plausible to be able to do this? So I am very partner focused on, um, on working with uh, security uh, and cloud technologies at Microsoft. Well, I'm sure Microsoft
0: does an excellent job of you know keeping you up to date in terms of the latest trends related to your role and related to shadow IT specifically. But what what other resources do you leverage to kind of get an understanding of the of of what's going on in the world and and what's going to be coming down six months from now a year from now uh, what 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 we can expect what do we need to prepare for w- where do you go?
1: Well, that's interesting. I, I I work at Microsoft. I don't know if it's too early to say that, but I do, and uh, I'm perpetually two weeks behind, always where what I, what I talk about in Azure and everything may be irrelevant, but what I try to do is maybe use four primary means of information and technology ingestion to keep my skills sharp. Number one, uh, I have a huge network of peers, both at Microsoft as well as career peers that are outside uh, and other vendors, uh, customers, partners, and I look at what they are doing and make sure that I stay abreast by communicating with them in a very personal manner what are you doing? I follow their blogs, uh, I help contribute. Um, if someone asks for help, I, I I give as much as I give. So keeping a good peer network for individuals who are either competitors or, or actually out in the field is, number, is one of the ways that I do. Number two, I'm a voracious reader. Uh, I try to read very relevant blogs, uh, and my homepage on my edge browser consists of a bunch of tabs. That first thing that I do is look at, uh, what is being published, right? Cause a lot of times some people have better methodologies and better processes for, you know, keeping abreast. And, and then I, uh, I write. So part of my role is being able to write blogs and, and do podcasts and be able to do the technology. Um, you know, number three is I try to stay very close to the engineering teams, right? Uh, not to the point where as I'm on every release, but making sure that I am proactive by asking them what is on the roadmap that you can share with me that doesn't violate any, you know, non-disclosure or don't release it too early. Um, And then just keeping a, a thirst for the technology by keeping my own Azure subscription, my own 365 subscription. And I really set time aside. Uh, I don't work on my skill set and my technology. When I have time, I dedicate time to it. And then I, um, And I teach. I'm a certified Microsoft uh, uh, trainer, uh, as well as I'm a trainer-trainer, and I've done other things. If you can teach the technology, you'll find that you'll stay sharp because you're always cognizant that someone's going to want to outsmart the teacher, right, or really catch you when something is uh, a little bit dated. Uh, Not that I'm concerned about it, but, you know, you want to stay relevant about it. So those are probably the four primary ways that I try to stay abreast of technology.
0: Those are some excellent tips there. Let me ask you so so you have your own blog um, or 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 website or something if if somebody wanted to kind of follow what you're doing, how how would they do that?
1: You know, I, I used to. I try to stay below the radar. I do write for the partner community. So myself and my peer on my team, John Wojan, he and I are the leads of the partner community for security and Modern workplace. So, majority of my writings are non-personal to my actual industry identity. I write as part of the Microsoft Partner Community and used to be the old TechNet blogs. It may still be. Um, I'm not a big social media guy, so trying to find me, uh, maybe a little bit hard. I, I get my LinkedIn request box probably has 250 people in it, right, waiting for approval.
0: You got that. <laughs> you got that security. Uh... Profile, man. You got that. <laughs> you're just I, like, I, 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 <laughs> that I'm mindset. Really yeah, I'm
1: just nervous about myself being out there, right? So, I'm not impossible to find, but a casual glance, you won't find me.
0: Okay, so let me let me jump track. Um you said something that, that kind of impressed me uh, and has actually motivated me to do something that that I I have a challenge of setting time aside to study. Because, I mean, like most of us, I'm reacting to emails, I'm in meetings, I'm doing a podcast, I'm in another meeting, I'm on a call, I've got, you know, uh, emails I got to respond to, blah, 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 blah. Plus, there's the whole family side as well, etc. And so, you know, I've got all these articles that I want to read or that I should be reading. But I just, I always like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to them. I'll get to them when I get to them. But I rarely do, um, these days, especially. So,
1: So how do you manage that? sounds like you have a process or a plan. Well, I'm ex-military, ex-Navy, so a lot of that discipline was set in by having a routine that was thought out for you. So a lot of that has transitioned with me in my civilian life. Mm -hmm. And so I find that making time is similar to uh, me running. I I think I mentioned that I'm a big runner. I know that if I don't get up and get it done, it will not get done, because other things uh, will take precedence. Uh, Humans, I'm a big fan of you know, uh, behavior analytics and stuff like that, we are task-oriented entities. And so studying and labbing and learning for the sake of it, why it's possible for some of the more brilliant people, seems just an onerous task. But when you study and have a task such as, I need to get this done because I have an exam to take, right? Put something out there that gives you a goal and don't just study for the sake of studying. Because uh, as a consultant, a lot of time we build a bad habit of learning in the field or trial by fire. You know, God knows how many things I've learned the day of in front of the customer. Right. Um, So I make sure that I put it on my calendar. Uh, It is always the first thing saying that when the day ends, I will study that won't happen. Now that may work for some individuals, but I like to get it done first thing. Um, And I like to make sure it's the first thing that I do. I stay away from email Uh, email. uh, Once you get Engrossed into it is a huge time consumer. Uh, social media, mainly, if I do get on it, is for the weekends only, unless I'm doing something that's uh, professional related or I have to respond in that medium. So make it priority, make it task oriented, and also do it in the servitude of others. And so when my peers or my uh, uh, my colleagues need help, um, and I have to come up on the technology to be able to assist them, once again, it's task oriented. So if Andrea needs my help, or John, or Mark, or Matt, or Travis on my team, I know I need to have this knowledge in my head by this date to be able to help them with a presentation. So servitude, helping others, getting up early and making it a priority, and not when I have time, and uh, you know having a task that's associated with learning. Certification is probably the most obvious, uh, but if you... You know want to be considered an expert. you know you wouldn't want to know what you're going to write about. you know you wouldn't want to post a a, a white paper or a blog and not have good knowledge and study and learn is part of that.
0: That is amazing. <laughs> Dude, you've just you just motivated me. Um, I think you know you definitely have a a plan and you work that plan. and um, I you know I, I think your teammates and your colleagues are lucky to have you on board. Uh, and I know that uh, as we're at a as a Microsoft partner, um, it's good to have somebody like you that we can work with. Man. That's 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 awesome. Hey, uh, Edward, I really appreciate you uh, taking time to uh, to come on uh, Secure Talk. Talk to us about shadow IT and your job uh, and also things to be aware of. And um, and that last uh, last few minutes on, on productivity uh, tips there. That was that was great. I uh, hope to see you next time you're, you're here in the Seattle area.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll look you up, and I I enjoy uh, AdQuest is one of the partners I'm actually actively working with now uh, on some things, and you guys are great to work with. So I'd like to say thank you for uh, allowing me to come on. Uh, I I hope I brought a little bit of clarity to the, or shed some light on the shadow IT. And and to close out, shadow IT is a behavior uh, adaptation of letting people know. I'm not telling you can't do it. I'm just telling you that if you are, let us know. And it's also the second part is keep an eye on what's going on inside your, your organization. Uh, and anytime you want us on, I'm, myself, or I'm sure anybody from my team will be happy to come on. That is awesome. Thank you so much.